0: Welcome to It's Your Money, a practical guide for managing the financial resources God has provided. Your host is Christian attorney and financial counselor, G. Edward Reed. Hello and welcome to It's Your Money. We're in session number nine, working for the Gold Watch. We're going to be talking about retirement and also planning for it. The Bible doesn't say a lot about retirement. We actually talk about the biblical principles of money management, but there are some texts that indicate uh, a little bit about it, and I would like for you to uh, notice those in your Bible. One is in Numbers the 8th chapter verse 25 where it talks about the uh, high priest could no longer serve on the day of atonement uh, after age 50 that is going into the most holy place you're likely aware that uh, on that special day in the bible when the priest went into the most holy place to make the atonement for israel that it was a very solemn occasion and there were three uh uh circumstances under which he could lose his life actually if, as the spiritual leader of the Israelites, there had some, been some great uh, moral problem in the camp that hadn't been taken care of, he could lose his life that way. If there was some dreadful sin in his own life, he could lose his life, or he could just simply have a heart attack and drop dead. So in order to uh, try to minimize that possibility, uh, the priest, uh, they tried to at least eliminate the uh, poor health one. And so uh, they would actually not be able to serve in that one job after age 50. You'll remember that uh, when the priest went in, if you read the Bible account, on that particular day, he wore a special robe. It was white linen, but it had something special, and that was around the hem of it. There's little bells or pomegranate things, and uh, there are seeds inside and little bells also so that when he was walking around, the people could tell that he was still alive and doing his work. But it wasn't actually retirement. Actually, there's not a great focus in the Bible about it. Sometimes I ask people the question, do you know what the Bible says about retirement? And uh, there frequently will not be any sound from the audience or any reply. And I'll say, well, you are all exactly right. Everybody got this right. It's unanimous. And uh, no one said anything, and that's what the Bible says about it. But there is one in the New Testament and I'll share that one with you. It's uh, pretty interesting. It's Luke, the 12th chapter. And I'm actually going to turn there in my Bible because I think it's uh, worth looking at. It's a very interesting story. Uh, in the 12th chapter of Luke, Jesus is warning about the hypocrisy of uh, the Pharisees and so on, and is giving this uh, uh, sermon, uh, and its a whole first 12 verses here of Luke, the 12th chapter, are words of Jesus in red when he's giving counsel. Uh, for example, Jesus is telling people not to worry because God loves us, the very hairs of our head are numbered, and, he's, and so on. Uh, but then somebody stood up in the audience uh, and actually started talking right during Jesus' sermon and said in verse 13, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said to him, Man, who made you a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Now, I want you to understand what he's really saying here. People still argue about money, and uh, the fact is, even if you are cheated in some way out of some inheritance, don't let that ruin your Christian experience, because God's going to take care of that in the judgment, and somebody who did you wrong will have to make it right. But the fascinating part is, people argue about it, and sometimes it's to their own detriment. I'll share with you a little experience about this. One day I was in my office working in the church conference office, and the receptionist called me. And she said, Pastor Reed, would you come quickly? And so I actually went out to the lobby. And there in the conference headquarters was a man who was very drunk. And uh, he. I asked him what, what I could do to help him. And he said, I want to see Ed Reed. And I said, well, I am Ed Reed. Let me just help you. So he came down to my office with some assistance from me and uh, told me this very interesting story. He said that uh, a number of years before, maybe 10 years before, his ailing father had written his will. And he actually wrote in the will, I know I will die soon, and I want my uh, property to be taken care of in the following way. I would like my wife to have a life estate in the property that I own, to live here without any debt or encumbrance as long as she lives, and then the property will be divided among my six children at my death but then he actually wrote this in his will, knowing that my children will fight about this, I'm going to appoint my friend, and he named the man, to be the executor of the state to take care of this. And an interesting thing happened. In the process, most of you probably would guess what happened already, the man did pass away, and his wife maintained living in the home there, and an interesting thing happened though, and that is the executor that the man named predeceased the wife or died before she did. Well, when the mother, the wife passed away, then the property was there and they had the will, but no executor. So the kids, and I'm putting this in quotation marks because they're like in their 60s, late 50s and 60s. And uh, they went to the probate office at the courthouse and said to the probate judge, we have a problem. Our father and mother have both passed away, and uh, the executor that father left in his will has also died, and we don't know what to do. And the judge said to these five, quote, uh, marks, kids uh, who are in their 50s and 60s, which one of you is the oldest? This one guy raised his hand, and the judge says, you are the executor, and slapped his gavel down. Next case... He didn't realize he had just started World War III. But the most fascinating part about all of this is the, cheer- the kids fought about this for several years, thinking that the older brother, if he hired an appraiser or real estate agent or anyone, was going to take advantage of the rest of them. So finally, after several years, they met out at the old place, which, by the way, was only worth about 60000 which meant that if they had divided it up early on, each one would have gotten about 10000 But what happened is they got out there on a Sunday afternoon, And uh, we're going to settle this thing once and for all. But before long, they got into a big fight. The man that was in my office was one of those children. Now, he's a grown man, like early 60s. But he was a carpenter by trade. And he said that he got so upset that he went to his pickup and opened up his toolbox behind the cab of his truck and got out a big crowbar and started chasing his older brother around the house. Well, the interesting part about it is, you know, older people are not that good at running. And after a few laps, the older guy peeled off of this loop thing and ran and jumped in his car and locked the door. But of course, that's no problem with a guy who has a crowbar and this big iron bar he smashed into the front window of his brother's car and broke it in a million pieces. You know, it has a safety glass, went all over the dash, all over the floorboard, all over the guy's lap, and so on. And the other brothers and one sister tackled this guy and called the sheriff. And when the sheriff came, they none of them would drop the charges, so off he went to jail. And they were so upset no one would post his bond, and he had just spent two weeks in jail and finally got one of his friends to bail him out. Then he got drunk, and then he came to see me. Well, it's a real interesting situation that people fight about money, but then Jesus goes on to say this interesting thing. He says, he changed his sermon, and he said in verse 16, we're in Luke 12, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Now, this is the only time the New Testament talks about retirement, and you listen to the story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So we said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll store all my crops and my goods, and I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, how would we say that in uh, our modern culture? I would say somebody could say, Well, I've already earned enough. I think I'll take early retirement. I think maybe I'll buy a motorhome and start touring the country. That's what this guy says. But God said to him in verse 20, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. Now, by the way, this is the story of the rich fool. It's an interesting situation to see that. So in the Bible, there's not this big focus on planning for retirement so much as it is to live debt-free and to have things necessary to take care of yourself near the end. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of other interesting statements about this, but uh, if you were to look through the writings of Ellen White, for example, there's not a great emphasis on retirement there either. She does encourage the church to take care of its workers who've worked for them for a long time, but it's not this focus from the time you're young and, and so on. I want to talk to you about the common fears of older people. As you get older, near the end of your working career, people typically think about four things. And I'm going to share them quickly with you. And uh, you can find them, of course, uh, in the book. And this is going to be on page 28 in the workbook or in chapter 9 of our textbook. You'll find them there as well. The first thing people worry about as they get older is dying too soon. That is, dying before their family's taken care of. A second one is living too long or outliving their assets. I remember when I, years ago I was teaching uh, health uh, classes after my training in public health, and I remember hearing a man say one time, if I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Well, the same thing is true in this financial realm. We need to actually make plans to take care of ourselves through the future. The third thing is a catastrophic illness. People begin to worry about these. What will happen to me if I have to have heart surgery or something really major? It could, All of my resources that I've saved could go at one time. And the fourth one they wonder about is mental or physical disability. In other words, who will take care of me uh, if I'm not able to take care of myself? Now, it's really, really interesting that insurance companies actually make fortunes on these fears. People voluntarily give insurance companies billions of dollars annually to take away these fears. And when commenting on these fears of older persons, Ellen White made this interesting statement, all of these fears originate with Satan. In other words, he wants you to think all these worst things can happen. But you know what actually happens. Insurance companies come along and they say, well, you might get a real serious illness, but you probably won't get one as soon as you think, and it may not be at all, and we're going to bet you're wrong. And guess who has the tallest buildings? They usually win, as you know. It's very interesting, and far as insurance is concerned, likely you cannot insure for every eventuality, but you should have basic coverage and not worry about the balance. I think that's something important to think about. So when you contemplate a retirement, we're talking about planning ahead. What can you do, actually, to plan ahead? What would you think I would say after listening to these? The first thing would to become debt-free. That is uh, to recognize that you're going to have it much easier in life uh, if you are debt-free and to remember that your income stream is smaller, and so you need to be debt-free and to uh, live prudently during that time. Now, there are some things to think about as far as financial problems kind of on the horizon and i'm going to share with you just some of these real quickly they're on page twenty nine we won't spend a great deal of time on this because I do want to share some other things to help prepare for the time when you can't work. Now remember the Bible doesn't say a great deal about retirement but in our society we know that there will come a time in the future because of physical, mental limitations that we weren't able to work as hard as we had before and a time when uh, our debts are taken care of and so on. So I'm going to think about uh, uh, some of the things that we need to contemplate as far as the future. We have uh, uh, financial situation in the United States and particularly that's kind of up and down there was a time a few years ago when we talked about having a surplus now we're talking about having a budget deficit again it's interesting however that we're only talking about a budget surplus or a budget deficit we're not talking about paying the national debt in fact no principal has been paid on the national debt since about 1979 and we're just paying interest on that which is now up to almost seven trillion dollars so it can't go on and on and on, and that's something to think about, not for you personally, but for the general economy sometime in the future. We could also talk about the welfare burden, the Social Security system. Likely it can go on for another 30 years or so, but what happens after that? Those are things to think about. Another one is the graying of America. You have more and more people who are uh, Either not having children or living a long time before have children, and you have the biggest bulge of American society—the baby baby boom generation—that will be retiring in the next few years, and uh, we have a the the median age of the population is growing older. In addition to that, we understand that in just a few years, about one-third of the people who are working will be working at minimum wage. And these are people who are immigrants, for example, or those who did not go on to advanced education and are working at minimum wage jobs, which are very uh, certain not to provide adequate income for them. One other thing that is... uh, uh... kind of a moral situation but it does have uh... financial overtones as well is the abortion and the declining birth rate in other words typically a country should be bringing on people to uh... replace those who pass away or are retired but uh... since the uh, roe versus wade decision they estimate something like uh... thirty million fetuses have been aborted And I'm sure most of you recognize that most of the women, a very high percentage, probably over 90%, normal healthy women carrying normal healthy fetuses, not to save the life of either one, but simply almost a matter of birth control, if you please. It's a very serious situation, but that means that there are 30 million people that will not be around to work while we are old and in our retirement years, which is a financial situation in that thing, in in, in that way or perspective to look at it. We're also going to talk now on page 30 about some uh, things to think about with regard to retirement. The first prerequisite, of course, is to be debt-free. And that should be a plan, I think, uh, even before uh, you know, major savings, is to, to plan out your life so that you can be debt-free and you'll have plenty of time to save additional after that point. A second thing to think about is health and health care. Now most people know a whole lot more about health than they actually practice, but we understand that uh, we have many good health principles. Likely you can find some health programs on the station that you're listening to or or if you have books that you can read and so on, but we understand that nutrition and exercise, the proper use of water and sunlight and temperance and trust in God and air and rest and those kind of things used in all of their moderation can bring about health. And so what I'm going to tell you, though, is if you practice health principles, you will live longer and a more abundant life. It won't just seem longer, it will be a good life. And those are the kind of things to think about when you think about health care. The third point in this uh, points to consider is to taper off, don't quit. Uh, There's really not a reason to quit just because you reach a certain age. You might say, well, I'm going to put 40 years in with this company or this organization or whatever it is, and then I'm going to do this or this. But uh, your experience really is too valuable just to stop altogether. What I will share with you is the uh, Harvard University studies where they did studies of their alumni, and they found that uh, uh, of those who at age 65 just stopped working or just quit, if you please. Ten years later, 75% of them were dead. But of those who continued working in some way, ten years later, 75% were still alive. So the fact is, we actually... Uh, rust out quicker than we would wear out. In other words, you need to be active so that that doesn't happen. So when you retire, there likely should be more than one source of income. And I'll share a couple of these points with you so that you can understand that. You would have, for example, your retirement, whatever that might be, your Social Security, whatever that might be, uh, some work, some hobbies, you may want to liquidate collections of some kind, and uh, just some little tips that you might want to have is t- to plan, you might want to have 30 to 40% of your income from Social Security, 30 to 40% from 401ks or your retirement plan, maybe 10% from other investments, and about 10% from part-time job. Those are things that you can think about. If we have time, I'll also share with you a little bit about uh, what a budget might look like uh, for a retired family and the kind of things to think about there. Other points to think about are the uh, uh, one way would be to minimize expenses. And uh, by that, I mean the size and location of your residence, Uh, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. It's one of the highest uh, cost of living centers as far as housing is concerned that I've ever lived in. I think it's the third highest in the nation. The thing to remember, though, is that we also have high taxes. I remember talking with a man who I knew well, so I didn't uh, feel I was butting in, and he knew I was just trying to encourage him a little bit. I said to him, where will you be leaving or moving to once you retire? And uh, he said, well, I guess I'll just stay in this area. Uh, My house was paid off and so on, he said. And uh, I said, well, if you don't mind asking, what are your taxes? And he has a little quarter-acre lot in the general D.C. area, and his taxes are over $7,000 a year. So you understand that uh, he's going to be actually making like uh, $700 a month or something like that just for his taxes. So you can think about, well, I don't need the same size house I had when the kids were here, and I don't need a house where the taxes are high. Moving to the south, to Tennessee, Carolina, Kentucky, someplace like that, uh, you could have the same house with taxes under $1,000 likely. So those are things to think about. Uh, Also, the climate and the cost of living. Sometimes because of our work responsibility, we've had to live in a place where, for example, it costs a lot to heat your home in the winter, whatever. You might move to a four-season climate area or move south where it's warmer, whatever your thoughts might be, or even especially where the cost of living is less uh, than uh, it might be where you are presently. Those are things you know just to think about. I've mentioned the tax considerations, the property taxes, real estate taxes, and I think that's going to be... Something that you'll want to consider as well. Now, in the remaining moments, I want to share with you the uh, current situation that people have to think about when they are contemplating retirement. One is that God will take care of you if you've been faithful. And Psalm 50:14 and 15 says, "Offer to God thanksgiving, pay your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and glorify me." We don't need to be real anxious about the future if we have followed God's plan now. That's what he says. You can call on me and I'll take care of you. And of course, Psalm 37:25 says, "I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread." The point is, we don't have to worry about all of these if we've just put some things in mind. Now, planning on retirement, what has caused such serious problems today? When a lot of people were thinking about early retirement, and now they're contemplating having to work many more years in order to have a nest egg, if they've lost their investments and so on. I'm going to share with you that the uh, current market situation. Uh, some time ago, the July 19 thousand two. Uh, NASDAQ situation from Money Magazine says 74% down from its peak. Uh, Standard & Poor's 500 down 45% from its peak. Dow Jones Industrial Average off 32%. So people are really, really concerned about this. Well, what's caused the problem? Well, human nature, of course, dictates that greed and fear battle for the soul of their investor. But throughout the 90s, greed won handily, and it shot the market way up. Buyers of stock abandoned common sense and were rewarded for doing so. If owning one profitless pet products by Internet stock was good, owning two was better. And so people really went into these very, very unusual situations. What caused the problem? Well, corporate greed And you've seen that in Enron and WorldCom and other things like that. But there's also investor greed. You remember reading about the man who was doing so well, he thought, in Enron, that he put all of his eggs in that basket, even borrowed money to buy more Enron stock. And on paper, at least, he had $1.4 million in his investment portfolio. He was nearing retirement just a few months away. So he bought his retirement house with a mortgage that he would pay off with his uh, retirement money, and he also bought himself a new Chevy Suburban on credit that he would pay off. Then the Enron crash came, and his portfolio now, instead of being $1.4 million, is only $10,000. And you can imagine how he feels having lost all of his retirement at that time. There's also competition among the market managers, and uh, there's uh, auditor dishonesty and greed, uh... it's kind of an interesting thing that uh... the arthur anderson uh... auditing organization uh... at one point had the dubious distinction of presiding over the largest corporate bankruptcy in history. That was Enron, but of course, WorldCom was four times bigger when it went. But at that point, it was the largest. And then not many months after that, the Baptist Foundation of Arizona, the largest nonprofit to go ever bankrupt, was also... Overseen by Arthur Anderson, so they had the distinction of the largest corporate bankruptcy and the largest nonprofit bankruptcy, and of course that pretty well did it in for them as well. But then we also have these unrealistic expectations. In other words, when you talk about the the, uh, the uh, value of stocks, sometimes the stocks go way up on their initial public offering and so on. We'll talk about that a little more when we get into the. Uh, Uh, investment area, I think perhaps the terrorism of of 9-11 and so on. I want to spend just a minute or two talking to you about the uh, retirement budget. Sometimes people are focused on saving so much money, but I want to share with you that likely you can live cheaper during retirement than you could during your working years, so you really don't need to have the same amount of income coming in. For example, on an income total from all those four sources your retirement, uh, social security, part-time job, whatever, if you have a total income of $2,700, uh, you could break it up this way. Tithe and offerings, $300. Food, $400. Clothing, $200. Telephone, like internet access and so on, $200. And uh, utilities, 150 any insurances that you have, house, vehicle, uh, life medical, that kind of thing, $150 for one, 400 for the other. Property taxes, about 200 This is monthly now. Maintenance, $100. A personal allowance, $200. Miscellaneous, $200. And entertainment, $200. You notice there's one thing that's missing, and that is house payment. But if your house is paid off, you can easily do that and you can understand that you will have a good time during that retirement thing. So let me just review real quickly. You don't have to worry about the common fears that older folks have about retirement. If you have a plan to be debt-free at that time and you have more than one source of income, you can recognize that there are problems in society and in the world, but God has promised to be with us if we're faithful. And in addition, there's something you can do with your years of experience. You can use those to uh, relieve a missionary overseas, or you can uh, do a, be tutoring in school or helping young people in some way. Many things that you can do, volunteer at the hospital, or whatever, or have some kind of a job that will bring in a small amount of income to supplement your Social Security and your other income. The point is, uh, planning ahead will make this a time of actual continuing fulfillment in your life and uh, I hope that many of you will recognize that it's a time when your experience will make you a valuable person to society, to to your family, to God's church, in a time when some of your own dreams of getting involved in things, maybe an overseas mission trip or whatever, can be valuable to you. I hope that you'll review the material in the book and to recognize how important it is to uh, plan ahead for retirement. In our next session, we're going to talk about estate planning and how to properly put together a Christian estate plan. You've been listening to It's Your Money with Christian attorney and financial counselor G. Edward Reed. If you'd like to learn more about developing financial strategies from a Christian perspective, call 1-800-328-0525 and ask for the companion It's Your Money book and workbook written by Mr. Reed. You can also order individual It's Your Money CDs by name or topic. Call 1-800-328-0525 or visit online at www.adventsource.org.